Um, but that's the worst situation to be with me because we can sit here for two hours because when I'm not concise, we can talk about many things. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I have ten minutes. I don't know what to say. But let's just say um, the overarching theme, okay, instead of being very specific about the, the Gospels and the readings, the overarching theme and just kind of get an idea of why are we doing this and why are we here and what's happening and why do we look like the way we look and why do we say the, the sayings that we do. So the overarching theme is um, God's sovereignty and God's salvation. No one trumps that. God is God and everybody, everything else is just created. He's the only true being. So God's sovereignty, God's salvation, that's that which is what is happening from the beginning of time. And in the beginning it says, and in the beginning God. That's it. So in the, begin, in the beginning of God's creation. Prior to that, God. But so this is the beginning of creation. And this is what happened. This is the story of creation. So the story of creation is that there's God's salvation that's always there and God's sovereignty. He is always in control. I don't care what you think is going to happen or who's controlling what or what may turn the corner. God will win at the end. He's the only one who's going to win at the end. Anyway, part of the salvation is redemption. Redemption is one of the reasons for salvation. So salvation is actually a... a, a uh, yeah, I mean, in addition of, you have to have healing and you have to have salvation. I'm sorry. You have to have healing and you have to have redemption. Healing plus redemption plus another thing, which is living in, in Christ's life in, in a different way, equals salvation. So salvation is an accumulative equation kind of thing. So... <clears throat> The readings are all connected. The, the gospel reading is connected to the psalm reading. It's connected to the prophecy reading. Okay? So when you're paying attention, when you're... Pay attention. Okay? If you're not paying attention. Pay attention. The, the gospel reading is the message. There is a little introduction to it, which is the psalm. Okay? It's just a few words. You can just maybe capture a couple words. And then if you want to really get into it, the prophecy that's right before it actually carries the message of why Christ did this, or why did this happen at that time. So, the prophets of the Old Testament. So, that's why there's always a prophecy, a psalm, and a gospel. Okay? So, and they all carry that, that theme. This is about salvation. Something happened for something to be saved. That's what salvation is. Okay? Um, God made man in his image and his likeness because he loved him. There was no other reason. God created man in his image and his likeness because he loved him. God did not specify a chosen people. God did not have a chosen people. He chose Adam and all of Adam's children. He did not have any specific Israelites or Hebrews or Christians. All humans were God's children. So, in the beginning, God created man in his image and his likeness. God did not specify a chosen people, but just as all of the children of Adam and Eve. No Jews, no Gentiles, no Christians, no non-Christians, no differentiation. God loved Adam and Eve and would have continued to do so if it wasn't for one problem, the evil. The evil that entered disrupted his plan. Of course, God is not a loser. He's going to win. And as he knew that this was going to happen, he planned for their salvation from that moment. Do you remember what happened? This is what we read earlier today in this morning. 
Adam and Eve sinned, and we started from Genesis, and you'll see how we go from Genesis all the way through the, the Old Testament. When Adam and Eve sinned, he covered them with... Hmm, he covered them with skin of a lamb or a sheep. Did he... Did, in the Bible, does it say that he created this or he made this? There's a difference between... And God can say, you know, and then there's a cover. and then there's, Or did he... That's created. Okay? Or did he make it? He made it. How do you make a, 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 a lamb, sheep, or... A, what do you call it? A coat. A coat, yeah. Uh, out, of, out of wool. You have to kill. Okay? So this is the first covenant. A covenant always has to have some sacrificial blood to it. Sacrificial blood. A sacrifice has to be something that should not have died and is actually sacrificed. So if it was an old sheep and just died, and he's like, oh, perfect chance. No, it has to be something that was not supposed to die. This is a sacrifice. And it has to, be, has to have blood. Blood is life. So from there on, Blood is the only thing that was going to save things. Of course, Adam and Eve would say, because, you know, they knew the commandment. They said, okay, God, we know that you're going to um, destroy us or kill us, you know, kind of a thing, if we just digressed from your law. And they didn't know what dying is. The day that you eat from this tree, you shall surely die, right? They didn't know that. So, if I can imagine that God comes to them and says, oh, you did a bad thing today, and... And they said, oh yeah, we know we're going to have to die. He go, and they said, but what does that mean to die? Because they've never seen death before. Why would they see death before? In, in the Garden of Eden, there's no death. So God takes a sheep who's running and playing and happy, and he kills it, and the blood comes out, and it's just lifeless. It's like, oh, is that what you're going to do to us? Because that's what death is. It's like, yeah, this is death. Like, no, I'm actually going to save you with this lamb. So the lamb just died for you. You didn't die. And so they say... Wow, thank you. Poor lamb. I feel bad for the lamb, but thank you, because now we're going to live. But are you saying to us that we're equal to the lamb? I says, yeah, you kind of, that's, a, that's a little oops. Just wait, a, hold on for about 5,000 or 6,000 years, and I'll show you, you're right. This lamb is not going to be sufficient enough to cover for your sin. Something else has to happen. Some other bloodshed covenant that's going to happen in the future. So, here is uh, the, the covenant that was created between Adam and Eve. And the covenant here, a covenant always, have to has, always has to have some commandment tied to it. A commandment is part of... Okay, let me go back. A covenant is a contractual, loving contract promise. Okay? It's a contract... Fully effective contract, okay? Legalistic, sign on the dotted line, but it's a loving contract. It's the same kind of contract, very similar to a husband and a wife when they marry each other, right? It's a contract, but it's not just a contract that say, okay, you marry me and I marry you and that's it. Um, there's, there's no follow through. There's no love in it, okay? Like um, other days, she doesn't like me when I'm saying this. There you go. She, um, <laughs> she, um, she's like, oh, how come you haven't said I love you in a while? I'm like, ah, that's no problem. Didn't I say it 25 years ago when we got married? Do I have to say it every day for the next day? 
So, I mean, I know it's being silly, okay? But the idea is that the, the contract and the love, they have to go together. So the, a contractual love, that's a covenant, okay? A, in this, there are commandments, okay? You can't tell me, okay, so I say, I love you, but I don't act on it. I don't do any physical, you know, the five languages love. I, I don't do any of those. So what kind of love is that? So part of a covenant is a commandment, and that commandment has to be followed. You, you kind of get my idea, right? Um, that commandment is the moral law that was intrinsic in man's heart. There was no question about living a moral life. Basically, the moral law at that time was love God. That's it. So, the covenant is a loving contractual agreement where God said, I will, I will unconditionally love you. I will unconditionally love you. But you will continue to remain in my grace if you conditionally live in my commandment, which is love me back. My grace will always follow you as long as you are conditioned. No matter what, though, I am unconditionally bound to you. No matter what you do, I will love you. But the grace that's poured on you depends on you. You want my grace? You want my blessing? Then you have to have that moral law. The moral law, which is, wasn't written down. It's in man's heart. Okay? It was, just love me. Okay? Later on, we found out that we find out that, of course, they didn't follow through, and that moral law had to be written down for the first time. Now, God never intended it for, to be written down because He didn't want it to written down, uh, written down on the tablets, right? Moses, right? The Ten Commandments. That's the moral law. Okay. Prior to the written commandments was the moral law, but here it was written down. He didn't want someone to write it on a piece of paper or on a tablet, and then after a while, they put it away. So that's not, that's not God's plan. God's plan is to put it in, in the hearts. So unfortunately, evil took over, Adam and Eve. They didn't live a, a good life. And we, here we are, we're diseased with the sin. That's like a pandemic. So it took over the entire world. This is chapter 3 of Genesis so far. Chapter 4, we see the results of this evil. Cain kills his brother Abel. Uh, chapter 6, we see the first time that God steps in to rectify the whole situation, a flood. There was one man left in his family, Noah, the only righteous man on the entire planet Earth. And he was going to also die because of the evil that was around him. So to save Noah was to flood the world. Okay? Not the other way around. God wasn't angry at the people and wanted to kill them. To save the only righteous person left and his family was through the flood. Noah is about ten generations from Adam. It's not, it's not far, Yanni. It's very quickly the sin occurred. Then he creates a new covenant with Noah. Noah gets out of the ship and says, okay, let's create this new covenant. Same covenant, I love you. Unconditionally, you have to love me back. There's a sacrifice. And go and uh, populate the world. He has three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They all kind of separate. They lived okay for a while. But then, of course, evil 
the disease of evil. See, that's the problem. Evil already was a disease. A disease you can't, like a pandemic, it's there. It's replicating. It's going from one person to the next. It just, you, you can't stop it. But he did teach them to do a couple things just to rectify these things. That's the sacrifices and things like that. Anyway, so for the first time, God said, I can't deal with all of the population. I'm going to have to deal with one person. That's Abraham. Abraham is a great, 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 great son, grandson of Shem. Okay? So Ham, uh, Shem, Jeph, uh, Shem, Ham and Japheth. So Shem goes out into the Iraq, Iran area and lives in that area. From there, ten generations again, there is a son, a guy called Abraham that was born. And he says, God says, he's the only one righteous that I have to make a covenant with. So he makes a, a covenant with Abraham and says, I'm going to create this, this salvation promise, but I'm not going to create it here in Iran and Iraq. I want you to move from the land of Ur and go into this area near the Mediterranean, the future Israel, and I want you to find this Mount Sinai, and I want you to do all of these things, and your son Isaac and all of that kind of stuff actually occurred in Jerusalem, near Jerusalem, and where the temple is uh, about 2,000 years later. So he transferred him, transfer him there, and he, uh, he creates a covenant with Abraham and promises him and his descendants now. It's not just Abraham, but all of your descendants. If you guys live as an example of how you should, as a moral life with me, then my unconditional love will continue to go to you. It's unconditional anyway. But my grace with you will be, ble- will be with you always if you follow my moral law. The moral law was already uh, understood. It's intrinsic into the heart. Of course, they did not live in a moral situation. Abraham, uh, uh, after Abraham died, Isaac and then Jacob. Jacob then moves into Egypt. And there they become enslaved by the Egyptians. And they needed salvation out of that situation. And then they move out. Moses helps them to, you know, out of the, uh, Egypt through the Red Sea. And he creates this, um, the new um, covenant with them, uh, as, um, as rebellious as they were, though, and, har- and hard-hearted kind of thing. So for the fourth time, um, God recreates the covenant again, this promise, with Moses and the Israelites. And then this is the first time that he actually writes the commandments down. Then uh, the story becomes, it's, it's the repetitiveness of, okay, I'll promise to, uh, let's make a new covenant. Let's try to fix this problem, this sin problem that's always here. And let's recreate it, and it's recreated over. So then the judges come, and then the people refuse the judges, and they want a king like everybody else, which is really another way of rejecting God and rejecting his moral law. They want their own king, and this is when King Saul came, and David, and so on, and we have 25 kings, until finally Israel is completely destroyed, north and south Israel, and they were exiled into Babylon and uh, the rest of the world. But then a new uh, era happens, uh, a new idea happens, which is the, the problem of the Pharisees. So all of the people were like, okay, we don't want to fall back into this same problem again of us breaking the covenant. How can we make sure... 100% sure that nobody breaks the covenant. So the Pharisees then kind of emerge. 
And then they're the ones who are now controlling the people. And controlling the people so tightly because they don't want to get into that same problem as they had before. And they get to the point that they break the covenant and they get exiled. They didn't want that to happen. So the Old Testament prophets, including up until the Pharisees, the, the, the purpose of the Old Testament prophets was to criticize the falling away of the image of God and the, and the likeness of God. So if you say that you love him, you better behave that way. We don't want that hypocrisy. We don't want that evil life. You live the moral law. You can't live in the covenant unless you follow that moral law. So the Old Testament prophets, including St. John the Baptist, St. John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. He's intertestimonial, of course. He's in between the two testaments. Uh, the message is, you got to live the moral law. The moral law of God is, and if you question it, it's deep in your heart. And if you don't know deep in your heart, it's written on the Ten Tablets, or on the, on the, on the, on the Tablets, the Ten Commandments. Here the Pharisees said, okay, we're going to try to live it so inter- so you can't walk more than ten feet and you can't do this on the Sabbath days because we don't want to break the law. But they took care of, of the so minute things that they forgot the real reason, okay? So the, the reason for the season kind of thing. It's the same as our Christmas. We get so bombarded by, oh, the Christmas lights, this and this and this, and you forget about the reason for the season. Huh? Uh, one of the priests that taught me this, he said, uh, it's, say you have a baby and you want to give the baby the first bath and you want to make sure that the water is perfect and the situation and the soap and the bubbles and everything and the water temperature and things like that. And then you, you bathe the baby and you throw the water out with the baby and you, it's silly. You took care of the water for the baby's sake. I mean, the purpose is Christ. If you miss out on that point, all of the rules and speculations and everything that you're following through is meaningless. So, we come down to the uh, recent uh, readings. This is now the day of the Lord. This is the reckoning. This is the, the moment where God has said, because you have failed in following the moral law, I will have to judge you. This is the day in the, in the prophets, especially Hosea and Amos and Isaiah, uh, lots of examples. He says, there was a man who planted a vineyard. And he planted the vineyard high on a mountain. High on a mountain means it was protected from the foxes and the little rabbits. And he put a hedge around it. And so one day the, the master comes to the vineyard and says he was expecting good grape. But the grape was sour. It was awful. So what does he do? Okay. Um, another one is, um, he tells Hosea, Hosea, you're a good man. I want you to go marry a good woman? No, nope. a prostitute. A woman that is going to be continuously unfaithful to you. You're going to show her love every day. And you're going to sacrifice for her every day. And every day she's going to turn and give you her back. She's going to walk away. She's not going to ever repay your love. This was all. His life, unfortunately, unlike the other prophets, his life was... The message. The other prophets just was a message. He lived the message. And then later on had to write about it. All of this is <clears throat> because of your lack of following the moral law, loving God, the day will come. Prepare yourself, he says. Watch and pray. Right? This is the, the last. Watch and pray because 
The day has come. The judgment is coming. A lot of times you would say the judgment is coming. The judgment of, is coming where the old covenant, the old testament, is done. There's got to be a new covenant. There's got to be someone who's human that God the Father can make a covenant with and he will follow the covenant and will not break it and will follow the moral law. Some human, some human, where is he? How can that be? You know, who that human, divine human, who he is. Prepare yourself to meet your God. This is the message of up until now, prepare yourself to meet your God. This is a preparation that God, from our perspective, would be like something scary, right? Prepare yourself to meet God. Actually, his judgment and prepare yourself to meet him and the day of reckoning and all of the scary words is on Friday. Good Friday. The greatest day. The day of redemption. Prepare yourself for that day. This is God's judgment. All of the Old Testament, you know, God is like angry and his wrath and all of these things because of that one day that's going to happen. He wasn't, you know, you think that as, as a, a Jewish person or in one of the Pharisees, oh, and the, and the prophets, God's judgment is going to come upon us again. God's judgment is going to, and be careful, and everybody watch. You think that there's some lightnings and earthquake and fire and everything is going to die. It actually ends up to be Good Friday. That's how God judges with love. But it's a big day because those before that day and refuse that cross have no salvation eternally. But those who do will have eternal. So that's the redemption. The redemption is necessary plus your healing of your sin, which is a a longer story, is equal to the salvation. Um, So, just back to the situation. So here's, here's where we're at. We're living in a dark, black, you know, situation. We're basically rewinding time as if we haven't seen salvation yet. We don't know what's going to happen on Friday. That's just the, the church is like an enactment. It's a pretend that you don't know. Pretend you're not even Christian yet. Pretend. Can you imagine not having salvation? You'll be living in this darkness, a, a, a depressive um, just don't know. Yes, it has some death related to it because eternal death and darkness and, and black and things like that. But it's more like we're living in the shadows of the Old Testament and we haven't yet seen that redemption of Christ. And so, hence, the, all of the, the preparations of the Holy uh, Week, the Pesachal Week, well, which is all Pesachal, and then the Pesachal Feast is resurrection, the resurrection feast. Glory be to God forever, man. Yeah, <laughs> Christos,